And welcome back to In Focus here on News Radio KMAN. Nick McNamara in studio and on Zoom with me, I have Pawnee Mental Health Executive Director Robin Cole. Robin, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's good to be here. And um, it's uh, always great to get an update from Pawnee Mental Health. And it's, me- it's May, it's Mental Health Month. So there's a lot to talk about, a lot of things uh, mental health-wise that are in focus this month or that maybe should be in focus all of the time. But we're adding a little bit more emphasis on it this month. Um, but before we get into some of the topics at Pawnee, I wanted to bring up just kind of the thing that's on my mind and I imagine is on a lot of mm-hmm. other people's minds regarding the the school shooting in Texas. And mm-hmm. it's it's a troubling time. It's it's just difficult to navigate the feelings, the emotions. I'm seeing a lot of different um, people of all ages talking about how this is affecting them and how it's making them think about just things, all parts of life, all aspects of life and society. And the thing that really hammers it home to me is uh, I was in high school band, a leader in my high school band, and a fellow leader of mine is now a teacher. And she posted on Facebook last night a message from one of the parents of her second grade students, kind of highlighting just how distraught the student was uh, regarding the whole situation and the students just deep seated fear for not just themselves, but their teacher and knowing that as a second grader, there's nothing they could do if this situation were to arise for them. They can't be the hero to save their teacher. The teacher will be the (laughs) one to stand in for them. And understanding that and fully recognizing that as a a second grade student, it just tore them apart. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you just how you go about these conversations with kids. You know, they're hearing the news, they're hearing the the media about it. Their friends are talking about it. Their parents are talking about it. How do you go about these conversations in a way that's as least traumatizing as possible? Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, Nick, I wish that this was an easy question to answer or that it was an easy topic to discuss, and it just isn't. And uh, I feel like in some ways, we're all more vulnerable today than we were five years ago. Um, you know, it was, it was 10 years ago this year. It was, I think it was in December maybe of 2022 or of 2012 when the um, school shooting happened at Sandy Hook elementary. And if you remember, um, there were 26 people who died in that. There were 20 children and I think six staff members died. And, um, you know, what do you say to the people who are affected by that? You can't, I don't know that there are any words that you can say that um, takes away just the gut wrenching sorrow and fear and anger, um, you know, that, that goes along with something like that. And I feel like, you know, as a, as a city, as a state, as a nation, as a world, um, the last two years have been especially hard on people. And, um, and that just adds to, I think, our emotional vulnerability. You know, you, when we reflect back on what we've been through because of COVID, and regardless of what your feelings are about that, the, that this whole two years has just left everybody, again, regardless um, of their political persuasion or whatever, um, vulnerable. 
And then when you look at the, the invasion of Ukraine, it's like it's one set of human tragedy on top of another set of human tragedy. And now we have to talk about school shootings again. And I think everybody is just in such a, um, a place of, of, you know, we're so emotionally just worn out, beaten down by all this stuff. And so it becomes very difficult to know how to appropriately respond to people when they're in the midst of just such shock and horror and sorrow and fear and anger and all of that. And I, I wish I did have like magic words that I could say that would just make it all go away. And of course I don't. And so I think that it's especially important at this time that we try to be as supportive of each other as we can be and as kind towards each other as we can be. Um, recognizing that, you know, I, I don't know, there are lots of sorrows in this world, but the sorrow of losing a child to a gunman, I, I can't imagine um, anything much worse than that. No, it, it's, it's truly <laughs> terrible. It, it really is. And I, I think what you said about giving each other kind of, I'll paraphrase, uh, giving each other a bit of grace is, is, really, is really conducive right now for people's health. Um, I know you talk about like the compounding element of all of these different emotional stresses on people and just giving people a little bit of a, a, little bit of a break here and there. Whether, you know, maybe they're not acting as polite as they could, or maybe they're not responding to things the way you hope they would. Whatever the situation might be, you know these other things are circulating around in the air, in their, inside of them. So yeah. giving them a little bit of leeway, a little bit of a break. Just don't, don't hold them to such a high standard in maybe how they're responding to stressors right now. Things like that can really go a long way in just giving people time to decompress. Abs absolutely. And, you know, there, and, and this doesn't, I mean, that story about a second grader, so did you say it was a second grader? It was, yeah. And so the teacher, who, my, my friend got a message from their parent, too. It wasn't directly from the student telling them that, though. It, it kind of shows, you know, usually seven-year-olds aren't worrying about having to protect adults. It, adults should be the ones who are thinking about and coming up with ways to protect their seven-year-olds. Um, that says something about, well, it says something about that child, but it also just says something about the world that we're in today. And, um, you know, that child, of course, and, and, and that child probably is emblematic of a lot of children who are experiencing similar kinds of things. Like, what can I do? And I think everybody's asking themselves that question. Parents, teachers, children, what can I do? And um, the, the National Association of School Psychologists released something. Um, and I'm not sure how old it is. I think they produced it in 2021. So it's probably a year old. But it's a 
It's a document on school safety and crisis. And so I would encourage people who are interested in looking at this either to go to the National Association of School Psychologists or even to go to Pawnee's Facebook page. We've shared this sort of briefing document that gives tips and pointers to parents about how to talk to their children about violence. And it's both tips for families as well as tips for educators. And families and educators play a critical role um, in helping kids, you know, reestablish a sense of normalcy and security after something that's as tragic um, as what we just experienced um, for the, I don't even know if we can count the number of times um, that these kinds of incidences have occurred. But, you know, just briefly, and I can hit some of the high points of, of um, the association's tips for talking to children about uh, school safety and crisis. And, you know, that one of the, the things out of the gate is keep the explanations developmentally appropriate. You know, the way that you would talk to a five-year-old about school safety and crisis is going to be different than the way you would talk to a high schooler. And so, of course, parents need to be mindful of that and realize that, you know, with, with early elementary kids, just providing simple information, you know, and concrete examples balanced by assurances and safety is probably the place to start with those little ones. And then as they get a little bit older, answering their questions, you know, helping them separate maybe what their imagination is saying to them um, from what is real. You know, and frankly, some of us as adults may be struggling with those very things ourselves. Um, it is so easy for us to let fear get the best of us. And I think that fear probably is at the core of so many um, of the things that we struggle with. You know, I think fear is oftentimes at the core of anger. Fear is often at the times at the core of depression. Fear is often at the core of any kind of the isms, whether it's sexism or racism, what ageism, whatever. There's like a core of fear at the base of that. And I think it's really important for us to realize that that fear is an important thing that we have to look at here. And we have to find ways to overcome fear so that fear doesn't devolve into anger or aggression or hostility um, or depression um, or, or anxiety, um, which can just be overwhelming. And again, for the last couple of years, people have been living with a lot of fear for different reasons. And, um, and it does oftentimes come down to how we view the world, how we, how we view um, the role of government oftentimes, and that's why it becomes so politicized um, and, and why sometimes we just can't even talk to each other. And we need to find ways to talk to each other because at the end of the day, we're all more alike than we are different. But it seems like this last couple of years has really sort of exacerbated our differences. And 
we've had to go into different camps as we talk about the problems that we face in the world. And I think that if we could just figure out how to talk to each other um, and really talk about the things that we do share in common, um, that we would get a lot further along than we have been with some of the social dialogue that's been going on recently. I'm but back the, to the kids. Yeah. Uh, go, go ahead, Nick. You I was going to say, of the, I'm of the mind that community is the perfect opposition to fear. Though, on the flip side, community can also be the impetus of fear, too. So there, it's kind of a double-edged, double-edged sword, two sides of the same coin type thing in my mind. It is. And, and developing community, being part of community, is so important to addressing issues of fear. But one of the things I've seen happen recently is that in developing community, we're defining it so narrowly that we have these silos of community. And I'm not sure how, and, and so while having silos of community where we feel safe and respected and understood is valuable and important, we have to be really careful to not just identify community as being that, that narrowly defined silo that we're in. Because if, if that's as far as our definition of community goes, then we haven't really accomplished much of anything. Um, because then we have all these multiple silos where people feel safe just in their silo, but to extend outside of that si silo and really to interact with others who maybe see some things differently than they do um, just compounds the problem rather than making it better, which is kind of what you're identifying here in that two-edged sword of community. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I think we need to take our first break of the morning. I appreciate you talking on the topic, though, Robin. Um, and I, it's on my mind, so I, I had to bring it up. And I, I hope anyone out there listening... Um, you got some ideas or some tips or at least a little bit of perspective on things as we're trying to tackle all of this together. We'll be back on In Focus with Robin Cole here on News Radio KMAN. And welcome back to In Focus here on News Radio KMAN. We're speaking with Pawnee Mental Health Executive Director Robin Cole. Before we continue our conversation, we have a question from Robert in Manhattan. Uh, Robert, go ahead, John, In Focus. Yes, what a wonderful presentation. You know, it's an ongoing situation. They started closing down the mental hospitals. You know, when Reagan was the, pre was the governor of California, I couldn't believe it could happen. But we, you know, he got elected president, and it just continued on. We've lost manager clinic and everything. Our student was preparing for the fifth year master's finals, and the next thing Grandpa knows is our student is in a mental hospital in Kansas City. Luckily, they recovered. And every life goes on. But it's so, can be so intense. My son was in a restaurant in Phoenix yesterday, and they were sitting there talking quietly amongst the men about their military experience, and they're all glad hands until someone quoted that after military, they extended the group thinking and joined a union. One of them leaped up and ran out through the glass door screaming, about the negative effects of unions. And all the people in the restaurant are looking out there. He's running back and forth across the parking lot like he's fighting somebody, wondering if he's going to get a gun out of the car. But it could be something just as simple as a bad telephone, a big telephone bill that would trigger some kind of an event. And, you know, you don't know. And 
grandpa doesn't know how to interpret those things, and I'm sure that the military, ex-military guys sitting at the restaurant don't know how to interpret those things. But we really need to get some quality mental health care. It could be a knife. It could be a hammer. It could be a baseball bat. It could be a car. It could be anything. Thank you so much for all your efforts. Yeah, thank you, Robert. I, Robert, I appreciate your call. You know, what is so sad is we don't agree. Um, I, I mean, I don't mean you and I don't agree. I mean that in our country, we don't agree on the solutions to very serious problems. And, you know, what I've seen is that these kinds of tragedies always turn into debates about the role of government in protecting people versus people protecting themselves from government. It seems to devolve to that, that, you know, we have folks on one side who are saying that it's the role of government to protect people, and then we have folks on the other side who are saying that people need to protect themselves from government. And it just seems like that's, <laughs> it seems like it doesn't matter what we're talking about, that that's the way that the conversation devolves. And then we start to uh, not trust each other. Um, and we break apart into these little teams or groups and malign people who believe differently than we believe. And where are we getting with that? I, I don't see that that's doing any of us much good. And when I think about just what's some of the things that our kids are being exposed to, you know, it's if we don't do a better job as adults taking care of our children, wow, um, I'm, I'm really concerned about how our kids are going to grow up and how this is going to affect their view of the world, how this is going to affect their view of community, how this is going to affect maybe their role or their views about the role of government in their lives. Uh, I, I, I don't know where it ends, um, but it's a serious issue that we really, we need to find a way to have cooler heads prevail, I think. Um, and again, I, I don't have a textbook here and I, I don't know how to answer the question, but I sure do see what a lot of the problems are. So, yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. There's any perfect answer to to these questions, and uh, you you've reiterated on that. That as much as we talk about this, I think ultimately talking through these things, talking it through within the community, the broad community, not just your silos, is mm -hmm. part of the solution. Whether it's the entire solution or if there's other solutions as well, but it, it's definitely part of it. It is part of the solution, absolutely. And I do want to remind people who are listening to go to the National Association of School Psychologists website, look for their school safety and crisis tips for talking to children about violence. And if that's, and if, if you're not sure how to find that, then you can go to Pawnee Mental Health's Facebook page. We have the National Association of School Psychologists tip sheet posted on our Facebook page. And so it's there as a resource for you. Um, to look at as you're struggling with how to talk with your children about violence. 
And, and Robin, we only have a couple minutes left. I know we had a lot more to talk about, but with this being so ever-present, I, I felt it was important to get to it. I wanted to turn it over to you with, with any other updates, any other information Absolutely. outside of this to get into. Sure. And maybe what I'll just do is cover some high points and uh, people can look for more information if they want it. Um, May was Mental Health Month or is Mental Health Month. We were able um, to have all of our 10 counties that we serve declare May as Mental Health Month and the city of Manhattan declared May as Mental Health Month. Next month is Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Month. Um, and this is probably a good time to really be focusing on this because these kinds of traumatic stresses can cause mental health disorders um, afterwards. So we'll be focusing on post-traumatic stress disorder next month. It's also LGBTQ plus awareness month. And so there will be some focus on issues related to that and, and mental health. Um, we've got uh, Juneteenth events coming up during the month of June. We'll be in Junction City. We'll be at Milford Reservoir and we'll be here in Manhattan. Um, we'll have booths and we'll be providing uh, mental health information at those Juneteenth month, month um, events as well. And then I want to just mention um, we have um, we've put out or we've published our dates for mental health first aid. Um, for the rest of the year, we have courses here in Manhattan in June, August, September, and October. And so if you're interested, if you're a lay person and you're interested in learning about mental health first aid, how to respond to people um, who seem to be experiencing some kind of a mental health crisis, uh, these classes might be for you. They're eight-hour courses, um, 8 to 4.30. They'll be taught here in Manhattan. If you're interested in more information, just go email training at pawnee.org training at pawnee.org or call our local office and somebody can help you robin i appreciate it thank you for speaking to me about some important stuff today it was really helpful yeah absolutely glad to do it nick tomorrow we have for the whole hour a pre-recorded segment with riley county police and uh, always appreciate you listening if you missed this entire episode archived at newsradio kman.com thanks for listening